Are you ready to experience something extraordinary? Cultural gems in Croatia, ancient temples in Asia, art in Italy. We'll take care of everything. Flights, accommodation, excursions, local guides and all that planning. Travel department. Let's see more. I'm Gary Cook and you're listening to Trailblazers. I'm talking to uh, Brian Kerr. What was it like going from dealing with some of these guys you'd known as kids to to now being adults and stars and so on? How did you find that? Um, well, you know, I trusted my own ability to adapt because I'd, I'd had a lot of experience. As I explained to you earlier, I'd been managing teams um, for, you know, uh, nearly... 40 years at that stage at various levels mm. so I had a, a fair uh, idea of what was did it annoy was, you that people or that the press would be asking that question oh well I did it annoy me I was too busy to be getting annoyed about mm. those things you know I mean the English press the Irish fellows who covered the Irish team and the English press who probably asked those questions it wasn't the, the fellas here the mm. fellas here knew me and knew knew mm. how I was and they, they would have dealt me when I was at Pats a lot of them would have been on the way up at that time and that, that wasn't a concern in terms of dealing with the players I knew initially that some of the players would be gone you know, they'd have seen me knocking about because I had been technical director and I used to go to the senior international teams. I, I used to travel to the matches if I wanted to with mm. the senior team. Now, you know, there was a slight awkwardness about that because mm. when the results were going well, it was fine, but then the press would be speculating and it wasn't nice for me. I didn't want no. any of that. And I, mm. uh, uh, you know, at one stage I, I spoke to Mick about it and said, look, Mick, I have no interest in this. I'm just loving the job I'm doing and I'm here to totally support you and provide players and, and stuff but there would have been people around probably starting it a little bit saw me as a threat and that was a, it was nothing to do with me it was it was, it was totally against any any ethos or style or principle of mine I was totally happy with what I was doing but when I was in the senior thing you know some of the players would have been familiar for me with me that had played the underage team some wouldn't the say the maybe English born players uh, wouldn't have kind of known about any reputation I had or otherwise or my record but they knew about the success of the mm. U team so I knew from the start I had a bit of work to do mm. but once I got was appointed I made a point of ringing all the players individually mm. because there was obviously the, the, the fallout Masai Bam was still there there was the, some of the players had had been involved with, with let's say heat discussions or a bit of um, to and fro about Roy and to Roy so I had to deal with them as well. I had to explain yeah. to them where I was coming from. Yeah. So, you know, that was a task I set myself right from the beginning. I went and met players. Yeah. And then I knew the first game was a big one. You know, we went to Scotland to play a friendly game in Scotland. And I knew that was a massive occasion because the first impression of the players is, how, what's this bloke going to be like? But also I think they would have been impressed with the staff. Uh, Packy was staying on. Mm. I brought in Chris Hewton. Noel was coming with me and you know I kept a lot of the rest of the staff the medical staff Kieran Murray um, um, John Walsh the doctor is a very esteemed doctor and um, you know the kit man Joe Walsh people like that John Fallon is still a great friend of mine a lot of them are still great friends of mine 
so the staff was mm. it was secured. It wasn't like I'd brought in a whole yeah, group. Yeah, group. Sure. They were experienced and the players liked them. And uh, so, you know, it was about then the first game and, and going and doing those training sessions and that first meeting with them and the dressing room. And, you know, I remember those vividly. I remember the training session on, my, on the pitch in Hamden Park the night before the match doing the tactical session and Johnny Fallon gave me a nod. He had me phone. You need to take this. And I'm kind of out there doing this for me, really. But and I had to drop me phone and say to Chris, you just continue. And Johnny said, look, you need to take this. And it was Fintan Drury to say that Tommy Gorman had jumped out from behind the pace and Ivan in, in Belfast to say Roy wasn't coming back ever. And he definitely wasn't coming back. And that was the end of it. And so <laughs> I had to jump back out and continue on this coaching session about how we were going to deal with Scotland and, uh, and then go into the dressing room and tell the players, explain just what why I'd had to take a phone call during this training session. And, and I remember saying, look, lads, you know, the Roy thing is finished now. I've I've had a meeting with him and I thought that he, he, he might come back, but he's not. So I said, it's between us now. We're the team. We go on and do it now, right? And there was lots of that. I remember fellas like Matty Holland kind of looking at me, who I didn't know well. Yeah. And I didn't know Kevin Caban well. I didn't know Lee Carsley well at all. I mean... And Gary Brain, yeah. and they're looking at me, and I see fellas nodding, going, "He's handling this all right." I see fellas going, "This is impressive." And that's the feeling I'm yeah. getting. He's impressive enough the way he said that. You know, the way I said it was the way I'd say it, which was right. Let's get on with it now. There's yours, and I believe in yours, and me, and us, and and way we went. And then I got back to the hotel. I knew at the hotel there'd be the media scrum. And I stood against the wall of a pillar in the, the lobby of the hotel and said, look, this is what's happened and this is where we're going. That's the end of it. And I don't want to hear any more about had it. Had you spoken to Roy Keane at that point? Oh, yeah. I'd had a, I'd yeah. had a few hours meeting. And what was he like to do with that? Extraordinary meeting that, with, that. with Roy. Extraordinary meeting. <laughs> in what way? Well, it was it was a bit of cat and mouse before we got to meet. We were to meet, we were to meet at a hotel near Manchester Airport. But on the way, I think we... we, we, we I flew, flew into Liverpool, I think, with Aim McLaughlin, but I sensed there was someone following me, and there was, and there was a car following us. So no one knew about the meeting. There was, like, Alex Ferguson knew, and other than that, there was, I don't think, I mean, Chris Hilton would have known, that was about mm. it, maybe Noel, but no one else knew. So obviously, oh, look, I don't, I don't know for sure who told the English press, but somebody told someone, <laughs> and when we walked into the, the door of the hotel, I could see fellas' faces that I knew. There were press men and there was a photographer there. And I said to Eamon, we're out of here. It's not happening here. So I was ended up having to try and ring Michael Kennedy and tell Who's Roy Keane's agent. agent and, so then year. there was another venue pit fixed somewhere else and we're off on a bit of a chase then because the car chasing us and it was mad stuff. And then um, eventually, I remember we drove up a road and we were following the car that Roy was in and the car went up the road and it drove into a garden and then reverse back out and come back down the road and then turned into this little car park of a small hotel. And Roy got out and I got out of the car and I said, Jeez, you did your best there to shake us off, you know? And he said something like, he said, I wouldn't mind, but we use this hotel every week for Man United before the matches. 
and it went to the wrong place initially. But anyway, we went in there and we had a great meeting. We did really, I thought we got on well. Fine. It was obviously a very awkward situation for him mm. after Holstein Panting, and it would have been an awful yeah. way for him to, for it to end for him, for his career as an Irish player. So I, like, I knew that there was a bit, mm. obviously, he wanted to play, but it had to be solved. And we had a, a really good long discussion about different things and his role and mm. captaincy and stuff like that. And, um, so he agreed that he, he would come back but the process would be he's going to come up to Scotland and uh, you know <laughs> meet the players he wasn't going to be involved the squad yeah. had been released already by the time this, this was a I think this was a holy Thursday yeah. but I knew going away from it that there'd be another day that when he went back to the club it would be you know and what happened then he went into the club the next day I got a call from Alex early in the morning I was driving into a meeting in town and I saw the phone came, giving me an earful. I got the gist of it. The gist was Roy, Roy can't really play. His injuries, his hip won't allow him to play so many matches and so on. So and we kind of, the, the, the phone call softened as time went on. And yeah. Yeah, you know, look, well, we we okay for the qualification matches, won't we? And yeah, we are. And I had a... So initially he said he wasn't coming back, Roy Keane. No, no, he didn't. He said that initially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. After on, until we met. Until you met, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then we met, and then, you know, and then I, I developed a relation with Alex then, and uh, he would have known about me because I used to be hanging about mm. the youth matches, watching John O'Shea and so on mm. in the underage teams. And um, what was he like to deal with? Well, I got on fine with him. I think we had that initial one where it was a bit of a row about Roy, and then it was, then when Roy did come back. Um, you know, we'd have regular contact and because you see there was Liam Miller and John O'Shea were around as well by that time. Mm. So we we'd have contact about players about whether they were injured. But he, you know, he'd ring me like and say, "Look, um, oh, we got a match, big match. Like if he'd only played them half the match, I don't want them playing any." And the lads told me you said in the dressing room, we tell them many years playing more than forty five minutes in the friendies. Don't come back next day. You won't be playing for a month. That sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. Lads felt afraid, but I found with him, um, that. He he said, "Look, I'll, ne I'll never let you down on, on the on the uh, qualification games." He yeah. said, "I'll never." And that was fine. And I said, "Well, fine." I said, "Look, I I know it'll explain where I was at. I was trying to I was trying to find my way and you know get, get confidence. Everyone get, and we needed to get results. So I needed to play the best players. And we had a discussion about John O'Shea. And I said, "John's going to be in my team, you know." And he said, "He should have been in the team in the World Cup in in Japan, mm. but he do, he wasn't. In, Mick didn't pick him, right?" So we developed from there, and I remember there was they were in the cup semi final, and he rang me. We had a friendly coming up, and he said to me, "Look, could you do me a favor and not play the lads in the in the match?" I said, "Don't worry about it." I said, "I'm not going to pick them even because they were playing." Uh, I think Sunderland were in the other semi final. I can't remember who they played. It was it was two thousand four. Ended up when they played Millwall in the final. It was, it was that That's one right, they won. So, so, yeah. so, but what I decided to do, I wouldn't pick the Sunderland players either. I okay. wouldn't pick, because it was a big match, they were able to run in the league. And I think he, I'm not sure, but I think Alex went, your man's more than fair, right, on this. Sponsored by Expressway. 
With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Are you interested in trying a new smartphone but still a little unsure? Do you want a phone that offers larger icons with louder sound and an interface that has technology designed for seniors? Well, why not choose from the Doro range by simply visiting doro.ie. Doro, make friends with innovation. What was Roy like to deal with then in matches? And Well, that? when he came in, the first time he came back in, was friendly with uh, Romania. He was, he was initially came in, we were going to Poland with a match in Bidigosh against Poland. And he, he was training, we were training in Malahoyed and we were leaving, say... We were leaving, say the match was on a, I think the match was on the Tuesday, we were leaving on the Monday at lunchtime. And we were trying in the morning, the training went fine, and I go back to the hotel and immediately I got back here on, Murray came over to me and I knew by his face, the physio, he went like that. I said, well, he said, Roy's not, he said, his hamstring's in, but I said, what? I'm going to go, wasn't a bother on him in the training and he fought. Mm. He said, I know, but he said, he's, He's just feeling it a little bit. Mm. I said, well, we'd be all right. We can bring him with us and we'd have, we'd have a look in the morning, you know? Mm. And he said, nah, Kieran said, Brian, you'd be doing yourself a favour not to bring him. You'd be better off from the club point of view, from your mm. relationship. I said, that's fair enough, Kieran. So I'd go and say, Roy, you're out. So I got to the airport and I had to explain the whole, the plane was going to be full with the media mm. to pay for the plane because Roy was coming back. And I had to do a, 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 an off-the-cuff press briefing to say unfortunately Roy he's pulled out after the training which was a bit awkward let's say so we went and we played the match it was nil all draw a brutal match but uh, so to, when he did come back it was for a friendly with four friendies in the summer I, I wanted two but, but uh, John Delaney for some reason organised four in about eight or nine days with four matches with two with Romania and Dublin on a Wednesday night with Nigeria on a Saturday and um, uh, at the Charlton's ground and then with um, Jamaica on the Tuesday in, the, in there and then we were going to play Netherlands in Amsterdam in the Amsterdam Arena mm. there were loads of pullouts and fellas going for operations and all sorts of stuff and I was scraping a bit now for, for bodies I really was and Roy had built his holidays and so on so on before we agreed mm. he was coming back and all that so then Roy played the match against Romania we beat Romania went to London beating 3 nothing. we beat Jamaica on the on the Tuesday I think and then we went to the Netherlands we won one nothing. so we won 3 out of 4 with we hadn't got the, the squad with a lot of young lads. I remember Graham Barrett played and played yeah. very well. Robbie got a great goal in in the uh, Netherlands. They were going to the Euros to the finals two thousand four. This was the big party, balloons and cake and everything. And we, <laughs> we, we they could side. You know, we played really well and won one nothing, and it was great. I, mean, I enjoyed that match. I did. I really enjoyed that match because you. Know, I, I wanted. To, I always wanted to measure the teams playing against the best teams mm. not playing against the lesser team uh, when I went into the FAI they had friendlies fixed up for like uh, Scotland initially but with Norway and Canada and, and I'm going why are we playing this I want us to play Italy and Portugal and yeah. Croatia and, so, and that's what I did I, I, I well, why did they have kind of because they were too late asking for oh, matches okay. they, they okay. depended on invitations coming into the office but that was this that was how it worked and should they be left at the bottom of the barrel when the teams are walking out who to play between them they weren't going to ask us for, for a friendly in Dublin yeah. 
you, you, so what I did was when I went to the conferences, I remember going to um, to to Lippy and saying, and Lippy hadn't got much English. We said, "You come to Dublin." The Italian, yeah, Italian manager manager. woke up to him, and I he went, "Yeah, see, see, sir." I said, right. I said, so I got back home, Chris Ryan's secretary. I said, write to the Italian FA. Give them that day. Tell them that. <laughs> Honestly, and that's how I did it. Portugal, the same. Um, so you made I, the I intervention. <laughs> you made Brazil, the intervention. Brazil. I got a call from an Whoa. agent bloke saying, you can get a match with Brazil. Uh, the, the, I said, the much? He said, a million. I said, well, that sounds a bit steep. But I said, would they come to do He said, yeah. He said, to be on tour. So I remember looking for Fran Rooney, getting to France, took me, took me a day to catch him. But I got Fran. I said, Fran, look, you can ring this fella. We get Brazil. Brazil. I never, I never had as many requests for a match ever in my life as the, day, the match with Brazil. We played Brazil. The nil nil World Cup team. The, the, the World Cup, World Cup champions. You know? Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Kaka, and I totally enjoyed that. Roberto Carlos, Cafu, totally enjoyed the preparation for that game. Not just because it was a friendly, but it was because it was a World Cup team and the challenge of the tactical yeah. thing and showing the showing the players tactically how we were going to handle this. And uh, I, 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 we totally enjoyed that match. And it was not. And how did you tactically? Uh, well, the, kind of the likes of Ronaldo I just showed them or the, the fat original, Ronaldo as Ferguson no, called no, no the real Ronaldo <laughs> the original the original version the yeah. Brazil Ronaldo I look at you know just tactically showed them the players how their shape was and how they liked to play and where the threat was on the counter attack but how we could control the game with possession and it was it was brilliant. It was brilliant. But I loved that match. But you know, I'm just pointing out a couple of games I really enjoyed. Like but I enjoyed we took on the best at that time. Mm. And it you know, helped helped our coefficient and stuff mm. like that. And it was a bit kind of ironic at the end that <laughs> they used against me that, <laughs> that we'd fallen from uh, I think a high of we got up as far as twelfth. I think we went down to eighteenth. Right. Point. But we got up as high as we'd ever been. Because of the overall results, not just mm. the qualification results were mixed, that's say just too many draws, but because the friendly games we were playing against top teams, all they played Croatia, they got toward at the World Cup in 98, but we, we looked, they were a really strong team. And we were always, that's what was my thing was, we were better playing the better teams mm. because the matches were better, the crowds wanted to see mm. them as well, and we played good matches. Can I ask you, Brian, you know, I know uh, it's, it's probably, you know, it was hugely disappointing for you and... Uh, that you didn't get your your, your contract uh, renewed. I think most people felt that you deserved uh, an, another chance, two full qualifying sort of campaigns. Uh, what what was your what was the reasons apart from the coefficient reasons? Well, well I, I, you know, my relationship with, with the the chief executive uh, was was pure. It was pure from time he got into the job. I mean, we walked, we walked and looking at Tuchel this week at the new owners in Chelsea and how that went. But it was, it was kind of different from the off. Um, I never felt he, he was very comfortable from, with me. We'd had words previously uh, when he, when I was with the youth stuff, um, he was the, he was the treasurer and he had kind of given the press stuff out saying that they're, it's ironic when you think of it now that their funding was under pressure, their, their funds, and they were going to have to reduce the investment in the underage teams, the number of matches the teams played. And I went, oh, right, oh, I don't think this is going to happen because 
I mean, my view was he had to invest in the underage team because that was the lifeblood yeah. of the teams for the future. It wasn't just about the recruitment. So why? Of the, and the, why so I is made the a, question? Why were they reducing that? Well, I, I, maybe he was being honest at the time that, that instead of them being better on the commercial side and on the activity, like getting friendlies against teams that were going to guarantee the ground was packed and you could charge a few extra quid and the television would pay a better rights for them. Instead of doing that stuff, this was a bit more like... Uh, it's causing us a good few quid to get all the blazers on the planes to the matches and we need to keep that in order and not be spending <laughs> money on frivolous things like going to European finals with underage teams and maybe getting medals at World Cups. None of that sort of stuff. Let's right. let's get on with the blazers being looked mm. after. It was a bit of that, you know, where and I said firmly, if you do this, you can prepare for some years in the wilderness through lack of investment in the underage team. So I kind of won that that little battle, but eventually I lost the war in the end because once he, he look at I I'll be kind by saying he didn't make it easy for me and he wasn't very supportive of me and it was quite difficult coming up to the big games when you needed that bit of support. He was, there was, I was being asked to do all sorts of mad stuff, media-wise, like kind of daily stuff, and they were starting to set up these, they were, Aircom were starting to do kind of stuff with fans, and they wanted to do stuff with players, but they wanted to do stuff with me. But they didn't want much, but the FAI were throwing around to me, or at least they were saying it, it was being requested, but I was dealing directly with Aircom, and they said, no, it's not us but I was being told it was and it was kind of messy and uh, I just didn't feel that and so I think once we didn't qualify for the uh, for the World Cup um, in 2006 you know that gave them the opportunity yeah. to round up the troops and say they weren't renewing it because well for whatever the reasons were you know and then they always throw in the one you lost the dressing room and all that but yeah. Jesus they wouldn't know what the dressing room was like if it came out and gave them a dig in the head you know but <laughs> yes. uh, and I, and I, and it, you know, easy the, to say yeah yeah but look that, the, I, I got a I got a, a good go at it I was majorly disappointed I was more disappointed about the way they handled it even mm. like I got a letter in the post <laughs> telling me that I owed them money for tickets for the match no. and to send in the phones and the computer I had belonged to them and any other property that was the property of the FAI to return it to the FAI and drop the car down. And the, and the, <laughs> And there, there wasn't even a line on it saying, "By the way, we owe you a week's holiday money, or uh, yeah. we, we have a we have a bag of stamps in here that are, are yours, or you've your tracksuit top is be, be, behind the chair in the office." There wasn't even. It was like you owe us all this, oh, wow. and we don't owe you anything, even though you did. You know, nearly mm. nearly ten years and didn't do too bad at it. <laughs> in a, in the time when your image wasn't great, and we we don't care about the five years you did voluntary with Tui. That was the the mm. the essence of the of the letter I received in the post, which kind of le led me to be slightly aggrieved at the at the style of that. But it was typical of the lack of class at the, at okay. the time, you know. But anyway, it's okay. We are uh, running out of time. There is one thing I have to talk to you about, um, and that is uh, Brian Kerr, away with the fairies. Uh, you were very definitely appreciated. 
with the Faroe Islands. So, so tell me about the Faroe Islands, how you got the job and uh, what it was like when you were there dealing with. Uh, we had a joke, by the way, an Apre match joke, which I think you remembered. Me as you going, yeah, they've only got eight full-time human beings and three seagulls in the team. I remember that one. <laughs> well, look at we went and played in the Faroes. They were in our group at that qualification at one time. And I remember when we went there, it, it, it was the last match in the group. It was after the Israel disaster, the two all, where we'd led two and nothing in Dublin. And there was a bit of flak flying, but we went to the Faroes. And it, it had to be a small plane, Atlantic Airlines, because they were the only ones who knew how to get a plane into the gap in the mountain as you arrive into onto the Faroe, onto the island where the where the strip of tar is that that doubles up as a as a runway. So uh, I remember when we were going with the team, there was no media with us, there was no space for them. And I remember a certain relief about that on the plane. But I also remember the plane kind of going towards the mountain and me thinking, I'm not sure that I'm really that happy I'm on this plane <laughs> at this moment in time. Right? And, but fortunately enough, once again, he made the gap in the mountain and we hit the bit of tar and we land. And you're going, this looks like an interesting place. So we got out of the plane and we went through the airport and it was like, it was kind of, it was like knock really, you know, it wasn't very busy to say the least, but we came out and there was, there was no hustle, there was no media, there was no one asking any questions and we picked up our bags and we came out and I remember there was, there was chickens and sheep running around the car park, around the bus that we were going to get on and I'm going, Jesus, this is kind of calm compared to where mm. I've come from. So we, 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 it was the most beautiful and dramatic drive in went down tunnel under the sea and onto the next island and there was there was kind of waterfalls and then we went through a tunnel and then down under the sea again and it was just like then we got to hotel there's grass growing on the roof and with sheep running around it was just so calm we went for a walk myself chris noel and packy we walked down to the stadium to look at the pitch and they were actually training the, the pharaoh's team and i went well, surely we can't stand here and just watch them train and that's not allowed you know but everything was allowed there was no limits or barriers or or security or police yeah. it was nothing so i kind of liked the look of everyone and it just happened a couple of years later maybe a year or so after i was out maybe maybe three years after i was out of the irish gig i got a call from an agent in england kevin horton who's still a great friend of mine lovely lovely man and he said, would you be interested in going to the Faroes? And I said, yeah, I would. He said, well, look, um, I've I've talked to the, the, the general secretary and I can arrange a meeting for us to go and see him. And we went and met in Copenhagen. And that was it. And the next thing, I, I'm the new manager of the Faroe Islands. And, you know, we I had been there, obviously, for, for that trip. Noel had gone and watched them for me. Lou McCarry had mm. gone and watched them for me before we played and both of them had been up there. I remember always what they, how they spoke about it. And I just thought it would be a bit of an adventure. And it was also part of my thing. I'm going to take someone on. You have no chance of winning a match here. You know, this, I remember I went to Pat's and people said, yeah, you and your team, they won't win any. You'll, you'll struggle to get in, do anything with them. And my image of Pat's was like, I was a kid, went there in 61. They'd, they'd won the cup uh, prior to me starting to go to watch Pats but I never saw them winning anything mm. when I followed Pats right and I felt myself that I kind of changed that image that we could win things and I said we'll go to the fairs you get but I had in my head about with the pharaohs 
if you get the occasional result, but you don't get beaten. You did beat Lithuania in a match. Didn't oh, you? we won a few matches. Yeah, yeah. We, we we beat Lithuania. We beat beat Estonia eventually. We got a great draw with Northern Ireland when Northern Ireland a very good side. We we drew one one up in the Faroes. Uh, the win with Lithuania was 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 mad. It was a great day because they hadn't won a, a qualification mm. match for a long time. The Estonia match was a great win. We, we lost in Estonia in the first qualifier for the Euros, and I remember 2012 Euros. I remember that was a really really difficult one to take because we were leading one nil when the man put up the the extra time injury time was four minutes and we were leading one nil away to estonia and estonia finished second in the group they ended up ireland played estonia in the playoff to get there to you so ireland finished second in our group but in the first match in the group we're winning in estonia and we got done two one by the end of the match that was the worst result ever i had with any team ever the worst heartache i had because those lads were Brilliant lads, yeah. weren't quite all fishermen or seagulls around. They were great lads. Was none of, there was one full time player playing at Silkeborg, Christian Holtz. The rest of them were all part time players, but great lads, brilliant lads. And I I loved the time up there. Yeah. I had the results were hard to take at times. We lost, I think we lost five nothing in Gincom in the in Brittany and France. And I don't think we got a kick at the ball that night. We got out at five nil. There was another night we were beaten five one in Slovenia. There was a night we were beaten we were beaten five in Italy in um in Florence, right? <laughs> I remember it was it was three out about twenty minutes and John McDonald was with me as assistant. I remember saying to John, I wonder could we could we have a war with the rep would you ask him would he blow it up or half time? <laughs> 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 and uh, we got out at five, right? And 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 you come out with that, and you've got another match three days later, mm. and you're having to talk good things and how well we play it without mm. having kicking the ball, right? And, and you you having to build these fellas up for now. But the greatest joy of all was when I finished up, I I rang around the players, you know, and said, look, I'm not I'm not coming back. And one of the reason I didn't go back is because we we drew. We drew Ireland. Uh, my ambition with them was to get it, get them out of the bottom pot in the draw, yeah. and we achieved that. We were actually ahead of Wales. We ended up in pot four, but in the draw we got Ireland right in the draw. And I just it was a bit of me going, I don't know if I could do this. Play against Ireland as a manager of another team, the manager of Ireland, come to Lansdowne Road, and maybe it might be a bit of a struggle for us. No matter how determined I'd want to be to show, because I never had the day where the crowd build with Ireland. I never. It just was over. We played Switzerland. The match was nil nil, and that was the end of it. And I walked down the tunnel, and it was over. A few days later, you get a letter in the post telling you it's over. But. I never had the day where the crowd built. I never had the day where the, where the crowd showed anything really other than disappointment that night. But I, I could have been coming back with another team. Mm. We, we could have been in danger again. So I, that was one of the reasons why. But I rang, rang Frewy Benjaminson, the captain. He was about 35, I'd say, at the time. Great lad. Six foot two, three midfield player, the best carpenter in the Faroe Islands. Never short of a day's walk and an hour's walk. Brilliant, brilliant. But great. Honest, courageous midfield player, battered around the pitch, take all the knocks and bumps, and and wasn't bad on the ball. Either. But I rang Frewy. I said, Frewy, look, I, I I'm not coming back. I said, unfortunately, I decided I'm not coming back. And he said, oh, well, I, I finish now. He said, Brian, I finish now. I said, no, Frey, we don't finish now. There's another good two years in you. you stay, that's in you. He said, no, no, I finish now. He said, coach, he said, every match we play when you're a coach, we thought we were going to win. It yeah, can't be like that again. 
I said, Frewy, it will be like that. The next bloke will be better than me and he'll win plenty of matches. Yeah. Don't worry. But that was the best thing that fella ever said to me. Yes. Imagine that he believed that you could convince those players yeah. that we were going to win a match against France, Serbia, Italy. <laughs> and they used to go, like, and I, in my head, I'd be going, I've nearly, I think I've nearly talked myself into thinking we could could win this one, you know. But it was ridiculous with what we had. Yeah. But 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 we we had, you know, we got some, we got a way of playing, a style of playing, and a lot of the young players actually put in are still playing. I, I still watch the Pharaohs matches on the. So what's the, the style, telly. by the way, that you have got to play if you have players? Like, let's face it, who aren't. You know, as well, good look as it, some of the look players it, are Look, it, it's, it, it's, you know, it's a good idea to give rosary beads out in the dressing room and say a few players. That's a great start. <laughs> right? uh, after that, I mean, what I did was I moved them up. I mean, they used to play very deep and back close to their own goal. And, you know, I moved them up, tried to move them up 15 yards, not exactly playing a high line like Liverpool, but playing before they're up yeah. the pitch that we were more compact. Try to get the, the speediest fellas I could get in the in the defensive position so when it goes behind us we can run and try to have speedy fellas up front that we counter-attack and when we get up there that we have a chance you know and but you know you're making the best you can of the talent you have yeah and 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 have a style not too many passes looking to have too many passes to create a chance but neither was it when you get it just ging it it was also mm. ging it into the midfield player like get him get it torn and give him give him places where to play it where we're likely to try mm. but our fast fella wouldn't be a fast fella on the France France's under 16s yeah. right our mm. fast fella would be a League of Ireland fast player yeah. right and he would he might be, but sometimes he might just get that little gap mm. and he's in. And I, I, I remember putting in the young player, John Simon Edmondson, and he, he was he was 17, just coming on 18, and he was the shyest, quietest young player in the Faroe Islands. And that's hard to, uh, hard to imagine how quiet he was. I remember, but Chris Hewton took him to Newcastle, and Chris said to me at very year, he says, Does John Simon ever speak? <laughs> he said to me, no. and, but, but he sent a forward. Hold her up, yeah. bring fellas into the game, and I think he's their top scorer. He's still playing. He he he's got about a bit. He scored in the Bundesliga last year mm. in Germany for Arminia Bielefeld. Now he's 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 gone to Norway. Someone now didn't get a lot of games in the Bundesliga, but he he was decent. And yeah. there was sometimes about trying to create opportunities for the players. And, and try to help them to get outside because that's what they were lacking more than anything. And now that's the case. I mean, they, they have won, yeah, didn't do well in the last qualification group, but the ones before that to be Greece twice home and away at one stage, which were extraordinary results. And they've definitely improved. The teams are doing better even in the qualification mm. at the start of the European competitions. They're winning the odd round and, and then there's a bit of money coming in and it means they can... There's, there's a few more foreign players there. Like, there used yeah. to be a few Brazilians players there. And I was trying to get them uh, nationalised their passport. They weren't having that at all. Wouldn't have that at all. No, it was clean as a whistle on that one. They had, <laughs> they, they had to be fair away. You have to be a goat <laughs> if you're going to get citizenship. <laughs> or, 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 or a pumpkin. But fair away is pumpkin. Not having any of those foreign pumpkins. Uh, but, um, it, it was a great time. I loved the people uh, and I loved the time there. It's, it's, it's a lovely redemptive quality after the 
the the disappointments and and travails of of uh, the end of the Irish. Job. Yeah, but the Irish thing was good, Gary. I mean, I'd, uh, the crowd was so supportive. We had a lot of great days, a lot of great times, great uh, traveling support. Oh, I know that. You I know, know you I did. And, and it, like, it was just the frustration of not getting. I mean, the first tournament when I started, they lost the first two games. That's why I got the game. I got the gig because they got mm. Mickey out the side, panting to follow it. That they lost to Switzerland and Russia, and then I get the gig. There's six matches left in the group. You're trying to rescue it. We did it to a degree. The four games with um, uh, Georgia and Albania with three wins in a draw. And then we go into the last couple of games. You drew at Russia at home. And we needed to win in Switzerland. And we, we lost. So that was the first one. The second one was just too many draws in a group. It was an extraordinary group between France, Israel, ourselves and Switzerland. All the matches were draws. Every time we played... We should have beat Israel both games, winning here mm -hmm. two nothing to the away game one nothing to equalise in the last minute deflected yeah. shot all that and it's very very fine line stuff yeah. you know but mm -hmm. overall I can I can sit here and say I did a decent job my record stands up we mm -hmm. didn't make the finals if they got a good, another goal it maybe I would maybe I wouldn't but you know that's life I'm very proud of the time I had as a manager I'm very proud of the way we played and. You know, sometimes I hear them saying about oh now it's great football now it was great football then we played great football oh yeah, I agree that time we played good football it was on the front four front four Andy Reid Damien Duff mm. Clinton Morrison and Robbie Keane are we going to attack or are we not and we throw Kevin in at the middle of the field so you know it was front four football home and away and I settled for having had the chance of doing that from the background I had mm. where coming where I never played the game never never you know I didn't see an international cap until I started presenting them to the underage teams mm. so you know it was dream stuff for me but I think well earned I think with the with, with, with my time in the development as a coach and a manager in the game well Brian I think uh, I started by saying that you were uh, uh, probably the most loved or certainly one of the most loved football people in this country and I'll end by saying it and uh, it's been hugely enjoyable talking to you and I'm sure it's hugely enjoyable for people uh, to listen uh, to you I could talk all day unfortunately we don't have time well uh, look it's been a pleasure for me you know that I am one of your great admirers of you, your, did you of, ever mind of, being of, impressioned of your own, the, no because um, I was consoled by the fact that I was generally <laughs> a fella who was 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 all right, you know, who had um, who 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 had a, a bit about him, but wasn't a he wasn't really a figure of fun. How you did him was funny, but the person and the personality wasn't a figure yes. of fun as such. So there was a relief, I suppose, yeah. and a consolation <laughs> that compared to other characters that were mimicked, and I won't name any of them. Yeah. But um, you know, you, you know that I've been an admirer of your series. Your stuff as much as your uh, comedy work so it's been a pleasure for me to talk Absolutely. to you and, and to have the chance to air a few views well thank you very much Brian it's, uh, it's been fantastic to have you why have regular eye tests at Specsavers well they can help reveal health issues like diabetes and high blood pressure Book an appointment online today.